here's the entire trick to what I do. Everything I can tell you, you already know how to do. I'm not going to give you any new information that you don't already know. You just don't think you know it. That's Joshua Slocum. He's the executive director of the Funeral Consumers Alliance. They're a nonprofit organization that protects your right to choose a meaningful, dignified, affordable funeral. So here's what I asked Josh. When it comes time to buy a funeral, how do I do it? Let me give you two scenarios here. I'm going to give you my recommended best case scenario for how how to make it as smooth as possible. And then I'll walk through the acute scenario where you've done no planning at all. And what do you do in that situation? This is Redesigning the End, a show about the choices we face at the end of our lives. We're calling this episode, How to Buy a Funeral. Uh, You're going to have to do it at some point. So let's get to it. So what I'm about to describe is the best case scenario. Most people do not do this. They should, but they don't. We have a hard time with arranging funerals because on a very basic level, many Americans don't believe they're going to die, or if they believe it, they want to live in denial about it. And people find that a little funny. They say, well, we know everyone's going to die. Yeah, I know you say that you know that, but your actions betray that you don't. I understand the psychology of people uh, planning funerals, and I know what lies we tell ourselves, and we tell ourselves a lot of lies. The first lie that you need to get over is that death is an optional lifestyle choice that might not be right for your family. The undertaker is going to knock on your door. The best way to do this is to have a family conversation. And by family, I mean that expansively, whoever your circle is, whether it is by kin, by blood, or by choice. Talk about what is important and meaningful to you as a group when someone dies in terms of ritual, in terms of body disposition, whether it's cremation, burial anatomical donation, something different. Talk about that. And at the beginning, I suggest set a reasonable budget. What here, Here's the entire trick to what I do. Everything I can tell you, you already know how to do. I'm not going to give you any new information that you don't already know. You just don't think you know it. So for example, people call up and say, well, I can't afford the $8,000 that Johnson Funeral Home said this was going to cost, but I don't know what to do. No one says, I don't know what to do when they can't afford the car at Heritage Toyota. They don't say, I don't know what to do. They say, I'm going to call the next car dealer and see if he has a model that fits my needs that is within my budget, right? This this is, it's really basic. You just got to hook up the things that you already know. There's a psychological block going on here because the death word is hanging around our head and that deranges us. It shuts our rationality off and opens up our emotions. So we think we're thinking, but we're not, we're just feeling right. Um, set a reasonable budget, just like you would set a budget for the amount that you can spend on a house just like you would set a budget for the top amount you are willing to spend on a car or on a new set of kitchen appliances or whatever, set that budget, make that budget realistic to what you can afford. Then you know what your options are going to be. If you don't set that budget, the undertaker will set it for you. And you may find yourself feeling guilty, feeling guilted into signing a contract that is beyond your means. We don't want to see that happen. When you have that family conversation, I used to tell people, tell your kids what you want. 
I don't say that because I no longer believe in dictates from beyond the grave. I find it far more helpful to ask your survivors what will be meaningful and practically doable for them. Because remember, they will be alive. And if you want them to do things, you need to take their needs into account too. Because as much as it's your funeral, guess what? Has nothing to do with you because you're dead. You don't know what's going on. Other people are doing all these things and they're experiencing grief while you are not because you're dead. So what will be meaningful to them? Will they want a religious ceremony? Will they not want one? Will they want a viewing of the body? Will they not? How are the family's finances set up? Have that conversation when you can come to a consensus, start your shopping around and start by knowing what your options are. And we have a lot of free information at funerals.org under the consumer tab. It's organized by categories like caskets, cremation, burial, cemetery purchases, legal rights. Okay. So if I'm going to have this conversation with my family, what exactly should we talk about? The main choices that people end up making are cemetery burial, green or not, cremation, or anatomical donation to science. There are some states where there are new options like a process called alkaline hydrolysis, which is dissolving the body in a base solution that breaks the tissue down. Some people call it flameless cremation. Six and one half dozen of the other, you know? And here's the thing about all of these options, you end up just as dead. (laughs) no matter where you go. Right. So I I think people may be more concerned about, well, you've got, you know, you have to pick what the physical disposition of the body is going to be, but then you can have a conversation about what, if any ceremonial gathering you want to have that can be religious in nature. It can be secular. It can be a, it can be a catered meal. It can be a potluck meal at home or at church. You can have a memorial service that is not held at a funeral home, but that is held at a park or at a restaurant banquet room or at your social hall or the VFW. There's all sorts of places you can have a memorial service. You'll want to decide, is this something that we as a family want to organize and carry out ourselves? Or do we want to hire a funeral home to to do this planning and carry this out for us? Those are the kinds of things you would have uh, in that conversation. Okay, so what about that other scenario, the one where... The death is a surprise and you haven't really done any planning for it. Okay. Worst case scenario. Nobody talked about anything. Death happened really unexpectedly. Somebody's um, dead in the hospital. What do you do? First things first, don't call a funeral home at two in the morning and have the body taken out of the hospital. By definition, the death itself means the emergency is over. There is no emergency here anymore. It's amazing to, but people treat death as the initiation of the emergency phase, right? They associate lights and sirens. For what? For what? The worst thing that could ever have happened to that person just happened. They're dead. Take It's sad. It's shocking. But nothing worse can happen. The worst thing is you did it. You were already past it. So... Don't just call a funeral home right away to get the body out of the hospital. Nothing's going to happen to the body. It won't get any more dead. If the hospital has space in their morgue to store the body, ask them. This can give you a couple days to make a wiser decision. Next, set somebody to the task of calling funeral homes on the phone 
four or five of them, and get a price quote on a couple of things like simple direct cremation, a couple other things like full service. I mean, it depends on what you want, right? It's hard to do this on the phone because there's a lot of components to this and you won't know all the questions to ask. It's much easier to see it in writing, but you can start doing it that way. And for example, if you call a funeral home, if you call five funeral homes and say, what's your cost for a simple direct cremation? You'll usually get a price range of somewhere from $900 to $2,500, but sometimes much higher than $2,500. So now you see that there's a huge difference. It's more than twice the difference between these two funeral homes for exactly the same no-frills cremation. Somebody who's got a reasonable price on that is probably going to have more reasonable prices on the more full-service options as well. That may help you narrow it down. And again, ask that funeral home, tell them, you know, listen, we've got to make some decisions. I'm not going to make this decision over the phone with you right now, but we're going to have to make it soon. Will you please email me, text me, whatever it is you do. Send me a copy of your price and service list, please. I love what Josh says about the emergency being over. That message to take your time, trust yourself more. I think that's kind of that missing mental model that people have. Since I started doing this show, I started talking to people, a lot of people who regret something about how they reacted or some decision they made uh, during a time when somebody had died that they cared about. So I think everybody needs to hear those messages. Since Josh is on the receiving end of a lot of those conversations about regret, I asked him to kind of help me understand what do people complain about the most? Confusion over pricing is is one of the biggest ones. People feeling that they have been overcharged. Sometimes they have been overcharged. Sometimes they haven't been overcharged. Everything was disclosed. They're just unhappy with the price. You know, and again, this isn't a criticism of consumers, but sometimes it's buyer's remorse. And sometimes the people they're really upset with are themselves for not having shopped around, right? A lot, a large number of complaints about prepaid funerals because of a misunderstanding among the survivors about what mom and dad or grandma actually bought versus what's on the paper contract. And honestly, of the complaints we get about prepaid funerals, my estimate is perhaps a quarter of those complaints are legitimate complaints that indicate that the funeral home did break the contract or or did do something wrong. But 75% of them are from misunderstanding. They're not that somebody was a bad actor. It's a miscommunication. I'm looking at a competitiveness study out of the UK that was produced in 2019. And it says that only 14% of people that are organizing a funeral compare more than one option. 4% do a search online, and really only 5% consider pricing. And then you hear Josh talk about the biggest complaints. So I think that that is a, a biggest missed opportunity right there. Okay, last thing here. This is a mindset shift about what the whole point of a funeral is. You might want to think about it. You might not like it. Let's see. So it's something I've been thinking about for my own funeral. I'm really excited about green burial home funerals. I think these are beautiful things. I would hope for that. I would love picturing my family kind of caring for my body and and ending up in a conservation burial ground. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know, they're totally unprepared to deliver on that experience. Uh, And if I died today, I don't think it would be fair to ask them to do that. 
Um, so it was interesting and kind of fun to hear Josh share a similar realization that he had. When I refreshed my funeral planning in writing and in conversation with my family when I had an unexpected heart attack in my 30s, that's when I really changed my mind about this stuff. And I realized, you know, I can tell them all these things that I want, but I'm not even going to be here. You know, what about them? So what I decided to say and what I wrote down to back it up with was, you guys know what my values are. You know what my interests are. You know that I don't want you to be ripped off unnecessarily in a funeral transaction, but I don't want to control what you do. I'm not religious. I don't have any spiritual beliefs, but some of you do. You need to have a religious funeral with me. Have a religious funeral. You know I don't like embalming. I think it's kind of gross. But if that is the practical choice that you need to make to satisfy the needs of the people who are there, go ahead and do it because I'm not there anymore. I care about you getting what you need without going bankrupt. That's all I actually care about. So please feel free to meet your own emotional needs. One place Josh and I had a friendly difference of opinion is around paying an independent third party to help you manage all the logistics. So I really like the idea, uh, but I also love Josh's counter argument. What you are describing is a concept uh, that some people call a funeral concierge, right? I don't like this. Why don't I like it? You mean to tell me that we need to introduce another third party paid professional into this relationship in order for us to accomplish something? This is symptomatic to me of much larger problems in American culture that are not funeral industry specific. We have been trained to be such passive consumers that we can't find our way out of a paper bag without calling up a professional paper bag escape consulting company to tell us how to walk out of a paper bag. Okay. We are a country that uses the term wedding planner unironically. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know it's funny because it's normal now. No, it isn't. It only got normal 15 years ago when people decided they wanted to make more money off your wedding. You don't, you don't need a college degree to do this, and you certainly don't need a third-party professional. That's my I'm against. I'll go on the other side. People do need guidance. That's why we exist, right? We wouldn't be here if people didn't need information. My worry with the consultant side of it is my goal and our goal in FCA, I don't want to plan your funeral for you. That's not my job. Even if I were capable of doing it, I would refuse to do it. I want to teach you how to help yourself. That's what I'm interested in. If you want somebody to hold your hand and do it for you, that's not me. You can do this and you will feel better when you do make these choices. If it is worth it to you to pay a couple hundred bucks to somebody that that you think is trustworthy and that you think will have your best interests at heart, I'm not gonna try and stop you from doing that. Josh, thanks for doing this. And thanks to everyone who helped build the Funeral Consumers Alliance into the great resource that it is today. Original music for the show was composed and performed by Pat Couples and Hotels and Highways. My name's Brian Hayden. Thanks for listening.